musical makes me feel like I'm a part of something bigger. My favorite business show. Hands down, the best B2B sales and marketing podcast. The ultimate resource for salespeople. George makes me want to conquer local. An authentic entertainer. Conquer Local with Vendasta. Here's George Leaf. This is the Conquer Local podcast, a show about billion-dollar sales leaders, marketers leading local economic growth, and entrepreneurs that have created their dream organizations. They want to share their secrets, giving you the distilled version of their extraordinary feats. Our hope is, with the tangible takeaways from each episode, you can rewire, rework, and reimagine your business. I'm George Leith, and on this episode, we welcome Jason Herman. Jason is the CEO and president of One Point Business Solutions. With over 30 years of startup operations and training experience, he's an internationally recognized lecturer, consultant, author, and social media influencer. Living in Maryland with his wife and daughters, he's co-founded numerous organizations over his career. He's the co-founder of a healthcare staffing and operations firm and created the industry standard practice metrics formula that's used on three continents by over 500 chiropractic practices. He developed operational and marketing programs for hundreds of consulting clients throughout North America, Europe, and Asia, and co-authored two best-selling practice manuals, The Meat and Potatoes of Chiropractic Marketing and 501 Ads for Chiropractors. His consulting clients' offices cared for over 52,000 patients and more than 1.1 million patient visits across North America alone during one calendar year. The winner of the Facebook Power Admin Award and hundreds of thousands of members in high engagement groups across diverse subject verticals. Jason is the co-founder of the Global Marketing Mastermind Group with members in North America, Europe, Africa to synergize SEO, SEM, and social strategies for a worldwide audience. Get ready, Conquerors. Jason Herman is coming up next on this week's episode of the Conquer Local Podcast. Jason Herman, this week on the Conquer Local Podcast, here's the question. It's in my notes. I've got to ask. You are from Maryland. We covered a bunch of this in the intro, by the way. You are from Maryland. And like, were you ever a spy <laughs> at some point in time in your background? Uh, so so I'm originally from the New York, New Jersey, tri-state area. I live in Maryland for the, the, the latest half of my life. And uh, my education is in political military analysis and history and um this is the very first part of my career I spent as a researcher and for the for the government and what what my principal task was to look at data, uh, whether it's visual data or news data or historical data, and try to read the tea leaves uh, and see what was going to happen next based based on what happened previously. So it it actually turned out to be a good jumping off point for a business career, which I never had a single business class, not even a single credit. But and I, and I should have. I'm not. I'm not saying. Oh, you know, that's not necessary. But there's there's certain underpinnings that that does give. But data analytics and a, and an objective analysis of data without a preconceived agenda is is really useful in so many different areas that that it helped build the you know build our our company. 
couple so in, of companies. Well, thank you for that. And in our show notes, it said, you know, Jason was a spy. That was all I had for context from our team. But it, it, I, I like asking that question because spy is cool because I'm a huge James Bond fan. But here, here's the reason why I bring it up. In earlier parts of my career, I started in on-air broadcasting. And as a, as a journalist, and I use the term loosely, um, you start doing interviews and interviews like we're on right now. And you start asking questions and you're entering always with a curious mindset. You probably have done some research ahead of time if you know what you're doing so that you can guide the conversation with some insights. And then I, I fast forward 35 some odd years in my sales career and go, yeah, all those interviews that I did early in my broadcast career made me a better sales professional because understanding the customer is 95% of this entire battle. So what I also see in my notes is you and I are going to have a witty banter for the next few minutes here in this episode around, I'd like to get your lens, Jason, around how you see customer obsession and working with clients in your organization. So tell us a little bit about your organization and what you do. The, the philosophy behind it, going back to what I just said about, about the customer the experience, so to speak, starts off with, it, with an agreement between all the principles that everything you do is directed towards building a relationship, not completing a transaction. If you start off with that principle and you don't do anything to betray that principle and everything you do is meant to support that principle, you'll be good. You'll have bumps in the road, you'll have some disappointments, you'll have some wins, you'll have some losses. But you'll always come back to the fact that we're building a relationship and and relationships cannot be manufactured and they can't be done with shortcuts. So there's an old saying, friendship is a measure of what you've been through together. And whether it's me with my clients or me with Vendasta or whoever, or me and you or anybody, it's, it's that we go into it with the right mindset that we want to grow together. And then we just, you know, I, I, I want to say, and then we go out with the goal of making as many mistakes as possible, because that's how we're going to get to learn what we need to learn and everything else. Well, I, that's interesting that you bring that up because, um, if we, we've been doing this job long enough, serving customers and being professional entrepreneurs, I guess, I think all entrepreneurs are salespeople and you, you do have a lot of mistakes. And one of the things that I like to, when I'm talking to a new salesperson that's entering the industry for the first time, you got to have a high level of integrity. And that integrity also has this line that I have where you own your shit, um, meaning you set up that relationship with the customer and we know there's going to be growing pains and we know there's going to be challenges. And we're going to do everything we can to make sure that those don't impact this. But if there is a challenge, we need to know about it. So let's call it out. Here's my number. Call me immediately if there's ever any problems or, and then on the, on the vice versa, I call a customer when I see they're heading to a disaster and tell them that we got to rethink about this. So I love that analogy that you have, that we're going to make a bunch of mistakes and through those mistakes is where the growth is going to happen. Yeah. You, if you're, if you're in a business relationship and you're starting off whether you're hiring somebody or somebody's hiring you or whatever, and the the other person tells you that they've been a success at everything they've done, walk away from them. If they tell you that they've never made a mistake, run. And that's that's really because you're interested in real people. My brother and I had a very successful chiropractic firm for a couple of decades. And when, when we would interview people, uh, chiropractors, to work for us in our various offices, we would always ask them if they'd ever failed a class in school. And they all had, everybody, it's really tough schooling, you know, neuroanatomy and, and biochemistry and all really tough stuff. And if, if somebody said, oh no, never failed the class, never failed the class, we wouldn't hire them because they didn't have, it's not a requirement, but it didn't have, you know, it makes you hunger for, for more and it, it reminds you 
that you're not the center of the world. So you, in order to build a relationship, I think, and I'll always go back to this relationship, you know, I don't, um, one of the things that actually attracted me to, to Vendasta in the first place was the word partner. It's used a lot and it's used facetiously in a lot of uh, contexts, but partnership means to me, at least, as you go, we go, as you go, I go, when you bleed, I bleed, when you hurt, I hurt. So, so we're going to learn together. You know, Nelson Mandela said, I never lose. I either win or I learn. So we're going to, we're going to, we're going to learn together and we're going to win together. And when it comes to our clients, the businesses that we work for, we take that more seriously than anything. And with always a mindset of this, this is another brick in the wall of the relationship that we're building. So let's make sure we do that, do things with that in mind. In the preamble, Jason, I talked about some of your accomplishments in the chiropractic business over the years, and there's a bunch of numbers in there. And, you know, obviously you've been doing this for a while. How, how important were those learnings when you moved into creating your own organization in what you're doing today? I would say there's two parts to that. One is that it was vitally important in every way. I couldn't, I couldn't have gotten from Baltic and Mediterranean to New York and Tennessee without being where I was. And, and the other half of that is like Tony Robbins says, bi- biography is not destiny. So even though those are the building blocks to get me here, they also remind me of all the other things that still have left to be learned. And, uh, you know, if I go to bed without learning, I wasted a day. Now, so. One thing that I saw in, the, in these notes, and it comes from your bio, and it, it, the bio always tells me a lot about the guests that we're going to have on the show, but it says in some of the key performance indicators that you cared for 52,000 patients and more than 1.1 million patient visits across North America. I, I don't actually see too much around how many practices were involved in that. It seems like you were treating the patients of every one of the practices as if they were yours. So that's a great question. I am not a chiropractor. I'm a third of three brothers. My two older brothers are chiropractors, which is how I got um, the opportunity, AKA roped into that uh, world. And uh, I was asked to come and principally run operations and then to do patient education. So what that developed into was a system of marketing operations and training that we spread to practitioners all across North America actually even outside North America and just pulling in their numbers, we could, you know, we could assess that we had helped out so many people transitively. And that again, goes back to, we're always in it for the long game. Uh, you know, there's an old saying uh, in chiropractic or as a joke, how many chiropractors does it take to screw in a light bulb? And the answer is just one, but he has to turn it a thousand times. So uh, he, he, in this instance, it's the same thing, whether we're talking in our business about, SEO or about digital branding or about social media, we, you know, we, you don't plant the corn on Saturday and harvest it on Sunday. It's you're building a brand, a relationship. In the case of our clients, the SMBs, small businesses, they're building a relationship with their audience. We're building a relationship with them, the client, and, and we're just keep, we keep feeding that. So uh, we, we were stressed through patient education and chiropractic. It's a simple process that's repeated again and again and again for the purpose of maintaining uh, health and any good process has those same building blocks. Doesn't matter what it is. 
No, it's I, I love those learnings, and and there definitely is an analogy. You know, there's a there's a comparison that can be made there because the chiropractor doesn't just crack that thing hard once. It's a series of treatments in order to get the outcome that they're looking for. And the same thing when it comes to building out that digital marketing campaign. Now, the topic of this episode, as I mentioned off the top, is around scalability. And I find a lot of people asking this question. In fact, I was in a two and a half hour meeting with a CEO yesterday. It was all about how do we scale this thing? I, I'd love to learn from you. You know, at what moment do you start thinking about scale? And are there any, you know, are there any indicators? Are there, let's, let's just start there. At what moment does a business owner start thinking about scale in your opinion? In my opinion. Uh, so in my opinion, it, that moment happens when you say, I have a, a product, a service, a theory, a thought, or something that more people need to be exposed to. I need to get this out to the masses. The masses could be anything. It could be the public. It could be small businesses. It could be anything. You could be starting a lemonade stand or a religion. You want to, I got this great thing, and I need to get it to more people. Now, where scalability, the, the critical point where it either explodes or it, it goes off the rails is when the powers that be, the people that created that critical mass in the first place, decide which elements of it can be set aside as they grow or which things have to be able to be duplicated to scale while retaining the magic that created the special something in the first place. So I don't think there's a single person that ever walked into a McDonald's and said, I am about to eat the greatest hamburger in the history of meat, okay? <laughs> On the other hand, McDonald's never decided to do that. They never said, we're making the greatest hamburger. They said, we want to make a fast hamburger or a duplicatable hamburger. Their scaled quality was speed or consistency or whatever. So in, in the case of One Point or Vendasta or Fred's Lemonade Stand or Mary's Bakery, it's, okay, if I have 100 locations or 50 more locations, I may not have the exact same frosting or I may or this or that. What, what am I willing to give up for size? This is all going back to my relationship thought. So, you know, let, let's say I, I wanted to, let's say you wanted to do 20 more podcasts. Well, you could give a script, you know, you could give that menu to 20 more hosts and say, just go do what George does. But are there elements that you, that cannot be trained? Unfortunately, in, in my career, I found that the most important parts of scaling are the hardest parts to to duplicate. And no, that's, it, that's where you rub happens. Uh, what you are articulating, I think, is really important for people to understand. There, There is going to be a give and take from what you're delivering today to reach to scalability. And, and I find that some people have a really hard time with that. They built the foundations on X, Y, and Z, and you're saying Z's not going to be in here anymore if we want to do a hundred of these. And they're like, oh, uh, and then when you go back to that customer base, they're like, no, we won't accept it without Z. So, you know, really understanding the components of that are important. Now, the other piece that I wanted to get to do you find that as the organization scales, and you've done some amazing scaling in your career, that some of the people that you brought to the dance aren't necessarily the people that you leave the party with? Uh, like that, it, It's not the same audience at the end of the day when you move into that scalability. I heard a story a while back that uh, Lionel Richie, who had, a, I guess, a number one song, the song was Three Times a Lady. It was uh, many years ago. And this, the, the song was about his mother, because his father had explained to him that his mother was actually three different people. 
There was the woman he dated, the woman he married, and the mother of his children. And those three women had basically nothing in common. And you have to be able to grow into each role. And the key part, to your point, is how you make the determinations along the way that the people that are on your team or the, or the resources that you've been making use of to get to from point A to point C now have to switch to get to G or X. You know, very rarely do you see like Microsoft, for example, Steve Ballmer became the CEO of Microsoft and he was like employee number one. I think he was the first guy they hired. Well, that happens sometimes and sometimes not. So sometimes the person that was the, that was the night janitor at your first office becomes your head of marketing, or maybe they don't, or maybe they become whatever. So you as a leader, all the leaders, but you as the, as the major, the, the prime mover, have to, again, going back to data, have to be able to make objective, dispassionate, timely assessments of, of all your resources, that your people on your team and your partners and, your, and, your, and your, your assets, and keep deploying them and redeploying them based on what the needs are, not based on your adherence to some soon-to-be outdated uh, model. No, and I, I love the expectation that you're setting with our aud- audience because too many times I sit across from entrepreneurs and they're like, okay, we want to take this thing we're doing over here and scale it to affinity and beyond. And um, then you start to rip it apart and say, okay, how are you going to resource this? These components right here, you've got these resources. How do we find a thousand of those? Oh, well, I hadn't really thought about that. Is there a way that I could just automate that and not have to add those resources? You're like, then you're not going to have the thing that people are buying. You're going to have something that's different. And and I love that you're you're calling that out. Some of the components, it's going to be a trade. There's a saying from the movie Sabrina where Sabrina Fairchild says to Harrison Ford, sometimes more isn't better, it's just more. And if you're scaling, you have to ask yourself, why am I scaling? What what's my am I being bigger just for the sake of being bigger? Look, if you if you say, look, I just want cash, I just want more money. Okay, well, be honest with yourself. That's fine. Where we live in that society, there's nothing nothing about that. On the other hand, if you if you are purloining your your craft, if you are bastardizing or or corrupting your special thing in order to get. You know, it's like the uh, the Aesop's fable of the dog and the meat. You know, you wind up losing the, the you lose everything. So you could wind up losing the size and the substance, and and that's scaling for the sake of scaling. Anything done just for the sake of doing it is is. You hear people sometimes they say, "Oh, why did you why did you go to Bali or something?" And say, "Oh, I wanted to be able to say I had been there." I always tell people, "Why don't just say it then? Just just lie. What's the difference? You you can say anything you want. What you should want to do is actually have the experience." So when you're scaling, you want to you want to ask yourself first. Step number one in the scale project is why, why, why do I want to do this? And you know that's that's something I think a lot of people just don't don't do. No, and you know that's the the famous Simon Sinek book. Start with why, and and I I like to ask people why are you in this business? You know. It, it, it's a great question. And I think we should, as entrepreneurs and prof- sales professionals, we should probably ask ourselves that quarterly, <laughs> if not maybe even more often, like, why am I doing this? Uh, because sometimes your why changes. And, and I, I find that sometimes with org- organizations, it's like, okay, why do you want to scale? Oh, well, these parameters have changed. And I have now these goals have been given to me or whatever it might be. And, and that sometimes is the catalyst. But I, I hear, and I'm reading between the lines, Maybe sometimes you don't need to scale because 
you should just maybe find four or five more customers. Like, is it is it an either or, or can it be an end where we scale these components and some of them we don't? I think that a lot of times people are scaling because the expectation in our society is the, the old stupidity of, well, that's how we keep score. The one with the most toys wins or whatever friggin' bullshit that is. But if somebody asked me why, I want to scale and, I, and, and I'm using it as a future tense and as a past tense because it's never, like you said, it's never the same thing two days in a row. First of all, I think I'm better at what I do than what anybody that has ever done it. I think I do it differently than anybody has ever done it. And, that, and it's my particular brand. And the second part is I have had the greatest mentors, the greatest teachers, the greatest coaches, the greatest partners and friends. I, every day that I am in existence in business, I am paying back a debt to them that I could never fully repay. I am honoring what they taught me by, by bringing it forward. When, when I see people that I have trained or developed pushing forward their own businesses or their own things, I cannot describe, and I'm usually not at a loss for words, I cannot describe the joy and satisfaction that, because scaling to me means something bigger than yourself. And the ultimate something bigger than yourself is something that will last after you're gone. No, and it's a, it's a good lesson. And I think the people that I want to really pay attention to that lesson are the sales professionals that are still doing the want to buy a watch transactional thing. Because, you know, well, you and I both know that sales professional is not long for the world um, because it's, it's going away. And they've been living a very unfulfilled life. Because the fulfillment comes from, I get a commission check because I sold that widget and that's it. Whereas when you're really, truly partnered up with somebody, and I, I love the fact that you called it out, that word is overused. I could throw in other words like transparent, honest, uh, I, uh, what's the other one? AI. I love that buzzword. We've got all these buzzwords. But a true partnership, you get that fulfillment and it's a hell of a lot more important than the paycheck. You know... There's a musical which has just been brought back again for for the for the however many times to Broadway called The Music Man. And in The Music Man, Harold Hill goes, he's one of these traveling salesmen, and he goes from town to town, you know, defrauding people out of money, and eventually he gets caught. Well, in today's day and age, it's the exact opposite. Your reputation will will follow you everywhere. You, the days, the days of uh, your your name, uh, your brand as currency is multiplying in its impact and its and its your inability to outrun it geometrically every day, the, the, the whole sum total of reputation management as we know it. Because of that, not only do you have to trumpet your successes through social media and everything else and make sure the world knows how great you are, but when you do drop the ball, and studies have shown this, the impact of a one-star review on Google that is answered quickly and professionally and contritely by a business owner has more positive impact on potential buyers than a five-star review that is ignored. Everybody within the sound of my voice has to understand what I just said as religious doctrine. I've had customers, clients all the time. We've all had them. I don't want a Google profile because I don't want to take a chance of people giving me a one-star review. My response, well, it's an interesting theory. You're an idiot, okay? Because, <laughs> because and number one and number two, you must not have that much faith in what you do. We're all going to have bad blood. It's how you deal with it. You know, I'm not going to get married because I don't want to risk having an argument with my wife. I mean, what kind of nonsense? You, you, you just, you're, you, that's the relationship. Again, it all goes back to the relationship, reputation management, relationship management. And I counsel people. I, I train 
the small business owners in how to deal with negative reviews and how to, after you've dealt with the review, then go back and do what they call in the military an after action report, do an AAR and say, and say, let's learn from this, right? I either win or I learn. You could do both, you know? And, for, and I don't, I just, I just think, um, and the last part I'll say about that is, is, you know, there are 32 teams in, in, in the, the, you know, in the major leagues of a sport, let's say 30 teams or whatever. One team wins a championship. Does that mean 31 teams wasted their season? No, not only that, but the championship team goes back to practice after that. So all 32 teams acknowledge the exact same need that tomorrow has to be better than yesterday based on what we learned today. No, that's uh, that's great advice. And I love the way that you've discussed scalability because I don't think it's all roads are, you know, all lights are green and we're going to run down the scalability road. I think there's some questions that business owners have to ask. And I, I love the fact that you're interrogating why scale? What are you trying to accomplish? Um, have you ran any tests? Could you scale what you have? What tools are you going to need? What solutions? Like there's a lot more that goes into, and, and again, it's a buzzword. It's just throwing around randomly. Sometimes people are like, oh, you need to scale. I'm like, okay, I don't know if that's where we need to go with this. Let's look deeper on that. You're, I, I can sense that you're finding that too, when that word comes up. It's funny in the business world, Within the within three days time, you'll hear something for the first time, like the word scalability, and and within three days, it's on everybody's tongue. I'm a movie guy, as you can tell. I love movies, and uh, there's a line from Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade, where a guy says to Indiana Jones, "Ask yourself why you seek the cup of Christ. That is for his is it for his glory or for yours." And if you're scaling, I think the first people you want to ask, if you're scaling X business into triple X business, ask your clients. So I'm thinking of growing my business. I'm thinking of expanding it. What are the most important things about what I've done with you, for you, that you think I could bring to other people? And what do you think I could leave behind? And I guess the, the moral of the story is, if it's all about ego, unfortunately, I think the war is over. Style beats substance about 40 years ago. And the, the, you know, the war is dead. But substance might, might maybe be on life support. And if you scale with substance, there's a buzzword for you, scale with substance, uh, have to copyright that before this gets published. But <laughs> if, if, you, if you scale with substance and if you scale with purpose, your lost in translation items will not be such that they will corrupt your what made you special in the first place. No, and you should trademark that because you, you nailed something there that, you know, it is possible. There's going to be gives and gets. You're going to maybe have to give up a couple things, but if you always start with the customer, I don't think you can ever go wrong. So going back to your clients and having that conversation with them, I think is quite interesting. It, it, uh, you know, I, I love telling stories as you could tell, cause I've told a bunch of stories, but one story is I'm watching a younger sales rep craft a deal. And, um, there is a deal to be had with the customer because the customer is the one asking for either more volume, more solutions, whatever it might be. And the rep struggling with that going, well, we, we can't do what we've been doing for the last year and a half. If we do this other thing, the customer is looking for, ask them, ask them if they're willing to give that up to get the result that they're looking for with this new thing. And, and they're like, oh, I, yeah, I guess I could ask them. But the trepidation I found from the salesperson came into, what if I blow the whole bloody thing up by asking that question? So, you know, there is, to your point, there's science. And then there's the art of having that conversation with the client to see if there are, there are some components you can leave out of the deal. 
wow, you really just drilled into a gas line with the word trepidation. Um, my, my, one of my mentors, Ted Hilson, said uh, he had a bumper sticker on his car that said, fearful people do stupid things. And I think that salespeople are afraid to ask for a, a deal. They're afraid to close because of the fear of rejection. You know, hey, don't worry about it. Like Charlie Tremendous Jones used to say in the sales seminars, you think you're going to fail? Guess what? You're right. So now deal with that. Okay. So, so, you know, and by the way, you're sitting here at a seminar, whatever your problems are at home, they're getting worse. So just go do the thing, it may, you know, and by the way, it's funny, you, you talk about, you know, we talk about fear. People say, well, George, what if I do this? And I have a trepidation of, of failing. Well, let me ask you a question. Again, I'm going back to the sports teams analogy. If you say to a client, you, you, you meet with the client three times, you put together a proposal, blah, 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 and they say no, and they don't hire you. Did you fail? Well, I don't know. Did you learn stuff? You got better at proposing. You learned what not to do. You learned what doesn't work. You know, Thomas Edison said, I found 100,000 ways not to make a light bulb. So if the only measure of success is that you signed the deal, you're in big trouble. That's a binary world that will lead you to heart disease and failure and everything else. And instead, say, what can we take away from that? And by the way, here's another thing about that. Let's say you walk into a deal and somebody shows up a laydown and sales, they call it a laydown, right? Somebody walks in and says, here, George, here's my checkbook. Just, you know, take my money and give me, I don't know. Do you feel great about that? Was that really a win for you? Did you, you know, I don't know. So it's it's like, what's that saying? You're born on third and you think you hit a triple. I don't know. Are you so proud of that? It's like being proud of how tall you are. Really? Did you, did you work hard on that? Did you go to school for that? Oh, Jason, I love it. Jason Herman, the CEO and president of One Point Business Solutions. So many golden nuggets in this broadcast. I really appreciate it. Uh, Thanks for joining us on the show today and teaching us about when do we make the decision to scale certain components of our business? Well, I'm happy to be here and and I appreciate your wisdom and, and, uh, and leadership on the call, George. And I look forward to many more opportunities to hear you on broadcasts and, uh, and to listen to further episodes of this where I can learn from others. I always love having a guest like Jason that's so colorful and you can see his passion and his belief in the takeaways. When you take a step back and think about the mistakes you've made, I just, I love that because the mistakes lead to growth and we're never going to get it right. And by the way, we've been talking about this for years. Our customers are more educated than ever and they know that you don't always knock it out of the park at every at bat. So taking those learnings, being authentic when you're speaking to the customer, speaking about the fact that there will be challenges and you're going to be there to help them guide them through that. You acknowledge the fact that everything is going to be perfect and you're there to build that partnership or build the relationship. And part of building that relationship is being human with your customers. It's about the win-win and (laughs) lose-lose. So treating that customer like you like to be treated. It's one of the oldest sayings in sales, but Jason brought it home with a number of analogies today that really hit home with me, and I hope that it did for you as well. We want to build relationships with our clients, and that's where we're really going to drive success. And I love this line from Jason. Sometimes more isn't better. Sometimes it's just more. If you like Jason's episode discussing scalability, let's continue the conversation and check out episode 365 with the Queen Bee, Janice Christopher, ideal customer and saying no. 
Please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. And thanks for joining us this week on the Conquer Local podcast. My name is George Leith. I'll see you when I see you. You've been listening to the Conquer Local podcast presented by Vendasta. Guest discovery by Zoe Schneider. Marketing by Rory Lawford and Nicole Lozon. Produced by Suleiman Adam. Executive producers Brendan King, George Leith, and Colleen McGrath. Recorded at Sound Lounge by T-Bone.